Keep it there as wild card callers if you want to hold. If not, you can hang up. Other folks can call in. We appreciate you calling in, though, because we ran out of time with Max Kaiser. Uh, but but Stefan Molyneux can speak on basically any, any subject. That's why I like watching his shows online or listening to him because it's thought-provoking, and I know a lot of history, so I can tell when somebody's got a wide-ranging knowledge. Not that anybody knows that much. There's so much info in the world. The more you learn, the more you know how much you don't know. And then it's frightening to see the content public and establishment believing they know so much and see knowledge as a threat to their delusions. Uh, but Stefan Molyneux is the founder of, of Freedom Domain Radio, the largest and most popular philosophical show in the world, with more than 2,400 podcasts, Free Domain Radio, with uh, 2,400 podcasts, uh, 10 books, and 50 million downloads. Stefan has spread the cause of liberty and philosophy to listeners throughout the world. Prior to launching uh, Free Domain Radio, Stefan built a thriving career as a software entrepreneur and executive. In 2006, he left his work in the tech industry, devoted his efforts to uh, his radio show. Now a self-identified full-time parent and philosopher, Stefan speaks regularly at Liberty-themed events all over North and South America. Stefan is the author of two novels, Revolutions and The God of Atheist, as well as eight nonfiction books on relationships, government, and religion. And he's with us for the rest of the hour. I got a bunch of news I want to cover with him randomly, you know, stuff that's broken today to get his take on different topics, you know, different angles of things. And as someone, I guess, who identifies as an atheist, I, I'm not mad at him or upset at him uh, because he's a libertarian-minded person and believes in human liberty. And I agree with so much of what he has to say. So many times I see atheists and they're statists. In fact, I would say on average most at least the atheist I know and run into, they're big-time statists. They think the state is God. They've really created just another God. And my whole argument is, even if you don't believe in spiritual realms or you know, the eye can only see a tiny fraction of what's actually going on out there, we know there's a lot of mysteries in the universe, even if you don't believe in God, I like the Bill of Rights and Constitution because it has a higher power and people are on top than the states under us. Well, the state always wants to get up there where God is above us. I don't want to get into an atheist debate here with Stefan. I just wanted to throw out that uh, you know, people say, well, you had a Jew on your show, or you had an atheist, or you had a Catholic, you had a Protestant. I'm not getting into all this infighting about what group somebody's in or what group they identify. I identify with wanting to have a planet that survives, a good future, and my children having a good future, and, and I'm a fan of humanity. And in Devil's Advocate, they have the devil character played by Al Pacino say, I'm a fan of man. Well, the 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 archetypal devil in a union uh, way it wants to kill, steal, and destroy and is not a fan of man, God's creation, made in God's image as a little creator. So the devil doesn't want you to succeed, isn't a fan of man. It is a predatory system, uh, not a virtuous economic model, as Max Kaiser was talking about, but a vicious economic model where you enslave people to control them. Uh, and so Stefan joins us. There's so much to get into. I want to get into a new vigil ad for one of these uh, stimulant drugs they're pushing because it's so hilarious, the video that goes along with it, uh, and get his take at the bottom of the hour on that and take calls. 
I want to get into Obamacare, the open collapse of the establishment with Al-Qaeda publicly working for the U.S. government and NATO now. What does that do to their narrative? I want to get into where he thinks the world's going with China. Because we know when governments get in trouble, they start big wars. Well, you can't do that anymore. They have nuclear weapons. So there's so much to talk about. But, Stefan, out of the gates, what do you want to talk about first? Or you want to respond to anything I just said? Well, I, I agree with you about, uh, I call them statheists, uh, or rather I want people to be statheists, which is to not believe in the state. There's this horrible thing that happens in history, as I'm sure you're aware. It's sort of like you have a balloon and you push one side of the balloon in and the other side bulges out. If you look at the atheistic political philosophies like communism, they may carve out a deity from the hierarchy of human thought, and then like a giant vacuum, state power rushes in to replace that. Uh, so I think that it's actually more dangerous, much more dangerous to replace religion with the state, which seems to be the default position of most people who have secular concerns. They tend to be socialists. There's that traditional alignment of the left with agnosticism or atheism. Uh, you know, you may believe in religion, I may not believe in religion, but neither of us get to use the state to impose our will on the other. But when you get people who believe in the state, it becomes this massive sword of Damocles that you use to flatten the aspirations and potential of everyone else around you. So uh, I completely agree. You know, live and let live as far as personal belief goes. But when people cross the border into wanting to wield political power, which comes more from the left than from the right, then we have great grounds for significant disagreement. Well, as a guy that studies trends in history, where are we right now? I mean, my gut tells me, but Ron Paul was on yesterday. He concurred. We're at the crossroads right now. Do you concur with that? And what do we do during this flux point where more change happens in a decade than happens in the next hundred years? What do we do? I agree with Ron Paul. Uh, I, I agree with you. We are. It is now or never. I think this point in human history is the fulcrum. It is now or never. You ever played this game when you were a kid? You have a sort of slide, a teeter-totter, uh, and you sort of yes. walk up one end, and then it tips, you go down the other. I think we're at that tipping point. As far as what we do, well, most people have no ethical standards whatsoever. That doesn't mean that they're evil or they're out there strangling hobos or anything. It just means that they go with whatever is most comfortable. Right. So if the media says, hey, Nelson Mandela is a hero, then everyone flies out and takes their self pictures uh, smiling away at the funeral and they call him a hero. Uh, it, it, they'll just say whatever people tell them to. You need the government for protection. Our foreign policy is noble. We're going to bring democracy to Iraq. What, whatever people hear that is convincing, that's what they will believe. They just do what is most comfortable. I think the goal and this is all the way back to Socrates, the goal of thinkers is to make it more uncomfortable to be a conformist than to be an independent thinker. Right now, it's pretty comfortable to be a conformist, to believe that the government is going to help you and the war on terror is justified and, you know, we were defending freedoms all around the world. That's comfortable. Nobody's going to really get upset with you about that. I think that we really need to work to make it less comfortable to be a conformist, to hit people with information and perspectives that are going to throw them out of the matrix, push their face into the static of propaganda that they've been bathed in since virtually the day they were born. We have to keep pushing people off balance and making them uncomfortable so that then when they're going with the flow, it's actually dis it's uncomfortable for them rather than comfortable. And that is really based upon the willingness to just be annoying to people and to consistently remind them that truth, reason, virtue, and evidence is how we make decisions, not the political momentum of a dead history. Very well said. Just some breaking news right now. Just about five minutes ago before we went live or about six, seven minutes ago during the break, 
There's a Wichita, Kansas uh, bomb scare with the police and TSA and everyone up there saying they caught someone who was in a bomb plot. It uh, turns out uh, over 100 times the last few years, and the New York Times even reports, the FBI has found mentally ill people who aren't even connected to real terror cells. The real terror cells work for the CIA and others and are actually attacking sovereign countries and trying to overthrow them right now. Uh, but uh, I was even joking during the break and talking to the guys, probably something they're grandstanding or staged or, you know, wound up uh, one of their patsies. And uh, sure enough, they're now saying the FBI wound up, uh, it'll be the same MO, some ADIQ, mentally ill person, I'm predicting, uh, Wichita, Kansas, uh, the FBI Joint Terrorism Task Force arrested the man uh, as he used his airport access card. So I guess he worked there. He says the man was attempting to deliver what he believed to be a vehicle loaded with explosive, which he would detonate and take his own life in the process. And you can bet money they approached him to lead the plot. And, and so many times, folks, I've said this, if they ask you to be part of a drill, if you work at an airport, they will set you up, too, to make it, again, I, I, I don't mean to digress, Stefan, but I mean, what do you think about honeybees kill more people, you can look it up, than terrorists every year, most of the terrorism staged, and then the, all the obvious pageantry and grandstanding that I need to have armored vehicles and checkpoints and have, be surveilled illegally, or or Bin Laden's going to shove a hand grenade, you know, up my rear end. I mean, what do we do about this? Well, like all things, Alex, we try to make decisions based upon facts, and we steadfastly resist the lemming horde plunge off the cliff of terrified propaganda. What are the basic facts about terrorism? The basic facts about terrorism are twofold. The first is that you are seven times more likely to be killed by a cop than you are by a terrorist. Even if we, if we include the obvious gruesome outlier of 9-11, you are seven times more likely to be killed by a cop than you are by a terrorist. So if we look at the numbers, we would say that arming cops to fight terrorists is going to put the, the civilian population in far more danger. That's the first thing to understand. Of course, the second thing to understand is that terrorists are created by terrorism. Terrorism is a virus that breeds like any disease or virus in a Petri dish. When you and by the go way, they out admit and that. You... The 12-year the, the war on terror has tripled the terrorism, the Pentagon even admits. Yeah, and uh, they kill 35 innocent civilians to kill one person that they identify as a terrorist. And how do they find out if he's a terrorist? Well, some guy they're torturing or some guy they're going to throw in prison for 20 years under the threat of, of torture and imprisonment. He says, oh, that guy, uh, he's a terrorist. And so they go and blow him up. We don't know if he's a terrorist or not. The rule of law has completely disintegrated. Now they're just calling in drone strikes. And they just, what is it, in Yemen recently, they just drone struck a wedding. Uh, it's people. monstrous. And we're going to just get more and more of this blowback until we learn the lesson that if you go poking a hornet's nest, you're going to damn well get stung. And then when they all attack, they then organize them and get part of Iraq to Al-Qaeda and turn them loose on, on Syria. I'm not a fan of Syria, but I mean, Syria is not attacking anybody. Well, where is the self-defense? I mean, in international law, the only legitimate use of a military is in a case of imminent self-defense. And uh, which of the U.S. wars have ever been based upon imminent self-defense? Y'all, if I can use the phrase y'all, have peaceful neighbors to the north and south. You have giant oceans to the east and west. When was the last time America was threatened with invasion? 1812, Canada. It's been about 200 years. I think it might be okay to lay down a few of the weapons and, and relax in a hammock for a while.
<laughs> well, instead, they're building a giant army of Mordor to take over the planet and trying to take my guns so they have the monopoly of force. Stefan Molyneux, our guest, always amazing having him on. Your phone calls are coming up as well, but we're going to cover a host of issues on the other side straight ahead. Put up even the New York Times on screen uh, earlier, breaking down all the fake terror plots the FBI has actually hatched. In some cases, threatening people if they wouldn't carry out the attacks. And this is all just used for a giant power grab while the government runs the real radical Muslims and other groups. Going back to Stefan Molyneux, philosopher, researcher, radio talk show host, all around uh, interesting guy. This is only a six-minute segment. Some of your calls coming up at the start of the next segment. Uh, but looking at all this other news... Uh, as the public gets more unlogical, unlo as the public gets more dumbed down, or as one segment of it does, we see a shifting by President Obama and the establishment towards propaganda in entertainment, and, and they admit this, and not even having news anymore, just getting rid of dinosaur press, attacking alternative media, which is the only media that's left, CNN, MSNBC, over time to leave news entirely, and then just implant their messages in sitcoms, dramas, and have Hollywood stars promote Obamacare, saying it'll lower your prices when it actually increases them. So it's really a war on reality by the establishment. And more and more, I realize they're engaged in a conscious war against common sense. A, do you agree with that? And B, how do we counter it where there's a large minority of us who aren't perfect, but we know fraud when we see it, and we know that free market and liberty works a lot better than collectivist tyranny, how do we reach out to the zombie-fied folks? Because I know smart people that when they see a celebrity on TV start drooling and getting excited and would slit their throat if the celebrity, you know, came down from heaven and talked to them, uh, if the celebrity told them to. How do you get them out of this programming? Well, of course, the first fraud we need to talk about is the fact that the current uh pimp for Obamacare is Adam Levine, the singer, who was named Sexiest Man Alive, as if they've never seen you in a thong, Alex. I mean, how, that's the <laughs> first fraud, that, that you have not made the cover of people uh, in something incredibly skimpy. So that's, and once we can crack through the matrix in that standpoint, but what I say to people about Obamacare, I guess very two, two very sort of brief points. The, the first, of course, is that it's completely illegal. Uh, the reason, of course, is that the executive in the United States, the president, has no power to pass laws. He has no power to pass laws. Only Congress has that power. Now, they have written 30 times more regulations into Obamacare since it was originally passed with no input from Congress whatsoever. So 30 times, e even if we accept that Congress got the first law right when nobody read it and they lied about it anyway, 30 times the amount of law has been written since it with no with no. Uh, no feedback from, no input from Congress. That makes the laws automatically invalid. And they keep changing the rules all the time with no input from Congress. This is a government by fiat. This is fascistic in its essence. The second thing is that over 1,300 organizations have been granted exemptions from Obamacare, including all of the unions and the public sector unions who were behind it to begin with. They're all now begging to be let out of this little hamster cage from hell. And so the reality is that uh, in the Constitution very clearly spells out you must have equal treatment under the law the moment you pass a law, amend it afterwards with no input from Congress, and then you exempt 1,300 of your closest friends and closest friends organizations from the application of the law. Invalid. Game over. No need for further debate or discussion. But, of course, the media doesn't tell anyone this basic stuff. Exactly. And 
you know, for me, I know why Oprah Winfrey and MSNBC push racism all day because in my life and in growing up, what I see, it really is getting a lot better. I mean, everybody's just coming together, basically. That's what I see in Austin, Texas, and all over the country. I see it all over the world. And but they got to keep it going because the real discrimination is that all these special interest groups coupled with government are exempt and basically have diplomatic immunity from everything they're foisting on us. It's a unified system. That's the real discrimination. And the real global civil rights movement is about not letting government and corporations be exempt from laws they pass or lobby for. Yeah, I mean, white Western culture is really pretty good at fighting authority. You know, all the way from the, the ancient Greeks who were the first to come up with democracy and philosophy, uh, all the way through the Romans who tried their very best to limit the power of the state. Of course, it broke through the bonds of what they called the Constitution at the time, just as the American government does, uh, all the way through all the struggles that went on to limit ar aristocratic power, the ending of the aristocracy throughout most of Europe, the fencing of it in, of, in England during the Glorious Revolution. The, the, we've been pretty good, and I say we very loosely here, but sort of white Western culture has been pretty good at trying to fight centralized and coercive authority. Uh, white Western culture uh, has been, was not just at the forefront, but was the sole cultural force that worked and spent blood and treasure worldwide to end the worldwide practice of slavery. Now we've stumbled and we've created all kinds of messes, but we are as a culture really quite good at trying to fight centralized coercive power. Uh, and then of course, even though um, our ancestors for want of a better phrase, worked really hard to end the worldwide practice of slavery, generally only white racism is ever talked about, which historically, uh, is not exactly accurate if you want to start That's where I want to go next. You can look at is, lots of other groups first. Sorry? Yeah, I want you to come back and give me the floor on Mandela and that because I've studied history and I know slavery was worldwide, but then in the history books we're taught slavery is a white invention and that whites inherently are the devil. And, and why is that? Well, because it's the Western culture, architecture, they want to get rid of it. Stay with us. We're on the march. The empire's on the run. Alex Jones and the GCN Radio Network. Stefan, I want to get into the media wars. Uh, I think the genie's out of the bottle. No matter what they try, they're not going to succeed. But we have CISPA and SOPA and all these other partnerships and attempts to censor the press using fake copyright. I want your take on the media wars that are coming, where you think that's going. But first, Mandela. I've studied a lot about South Africa, and it seems to me they traded one evil out for another. And I saw your video you did on it last week and thought it was spot on. And you were starting to allude to it. How, if you really study history, everyone basically had a caste system or what you call slavery from India to China to Japan. If, if a samurai had a new sword, wanted to test it out, they'd go chop a villager up. That was their divine right. Wanted to have sex with you. You had to roll over and let them. And, and they were kind of a more cultured group of tyranny, you could say. I'm not knocking Japanese culture. Every culture had slaves. Romans had white slaves, had black slaves, you name it. Uh, some Greek societies had what you call slaves. Others didn't and would fight with them over it. There were riots 500 years ago in the transatlantic slave trade because they phased out some white slavery in Europe. So they went on sort of grabbing blacks, uh, which they picked up from the Arabs, not demonizing Arabs. It's just a fact. The Arabs are still running slavery in North Africa, but that's trendy and cool. Uh, we're told it's a different type of slavery. All I hear all day is I'm bad. Western culture is bad. And, and, and Western culture is dying and the Western elite are helping kill it. Why are they doing that? You've got the floor. <laughs> well, there's a small topic to deal with. Well, I mean, very briefly, of course, uh, as you know, 
uh, whites did not go to Africa and go into the country and capture, you know, the the peaceful slaves or peaceful blacks and drag them off in slavery. Uh, whites couldn't survive in Africa because we didn't have the immune system to deal with all the plagues. The average life expectancy for a white who left the coast and went inland was about 11 months. Uh, so the black slave trade and the Arab slave trade, the Middle Eastern slave trade was humming along and whites went in and bought the slaves from the coastal cities and took them away. All nasty stuff. I mean, slavery is an, a fundamental moral abomination. Nobody has any argument with that. But I if read we look at from 300 years ago, where on average a third of the ship would die of the white sailors just going to pick up slaves. And that was why the first multicultural pirate ships were created. It wasn't that they wanted to even revolt. It was a death sentence if you came back on a second mission. Go ahead. Well, and the, 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 the whites who were sailing the ships were themselves slaves. They were press ganged into this. I mean, it was the government power, which is go. evil all over the world, pretty much, uh, which needs to be fought. But the, so what happened, of course, was the, with a sort of an awakening conscience, uh, consciousness, uh, which came out of the Renaissance and the Enlightenment, egalitarianism, the spirit of man, the universality of ethics and so on, uh, which was, of course, in the Declaration of Independence and was supposed to be a more foundational part of the U.S. Constitution. They started to say, well, maybe only other human beings like livestock is not really that great an idea. And the Royal Navy sailed around the seas, not in terms of conquest, there certainly was that, that element to it, but they were out there trying to catch slavers and trying to end the practice of slavery. The British government bribed many Arabic governments to have them stop, paid slave owners to, to have them stop uh, having their slaves. And they had to catch these slave ships really quickly because if you were a slave ship, a Royal Navy ship comes up behind you, if they think they're going to catch, if you think you're going to get caught, you cut the throats of your slaves and you dump them in the water. They had to catch them under cover of night they had to steal on the ships to do this. This is how committed they were to ending this moral abomination called slavery. And this is nowhere taught. It is nowhere understood uh, because I think fundamentally white guilt is a very profitable resource for people to tweak. You know, you make a white person feel guilty. They'll be like, oh, here's some benefits. Here's affirmative action. Here's taxes. Here's whatever you want. Just make, stop making me feel guilty. And then that uh, hamstrings the, the people that are getting the handouts. And then that yeah, hamstrings absolutely. the people that are becoming dependent. Right. Yeah, and, and of course, in Africa now, South Africa in particular, I mean, it's monstrous. Apartheid, of course, was immoral and racist and so on. But we do have to look to some degree at the relative ethics of the time. All of the other uh, uh, blacks in Africa were dying to get into South Africa. I visited there a few times and have a little bit of experience there. Uh, people were trying to get into South Africa. 60% of blacks and whites now say that they were better off under apartheid. And if you're saying that you're better off under apartheid, that is not exactly a ringing endorsement of your current system. South Africa is the rape and murder capital of the world at the moment. It is a disintegrating uh, country. And uh, I think it's partly because they didn't really go back and learn the lessons of the American Revolution. Uh, and you had a bunch of communists, of which Nelson Mandela was first and foremost. He wrote a treatise in his youth called How to Be a Good Communist, did not explicitly reject these views. And so the virus of socialism landed in Africa in the same way that it landed after the Raj ended in 1949. In India, you get all these socialists who go out there and try and set up this central planning communist socialist dystopia and then things go to heck in a handbasket and nobody sits there and says, well, it's because people aren't free to trade and own property and government's interfering with everything. It's the same lesson that we learned brutally for hundreds of years and we've forgotten to teach other people. Well, George Orwell uh, valiantly joined the communists because he'd been a member of the British Imperial Police. Eric Blair was his real name until he went and fought in the, in the Abraham Lincoln brigades and got shot in the throat in the Spanish Civil War against Hitler's forces. 
And then he wrote about in his books, uh, I read them, how the communist leaders were actually just like bank robber, criminal rapists who were using all the well-meaning communists to set up and just take over and that they couldn't beat the Nazis because the communists were just so criminal they couldn't even organize. The Nazis were actually ideologues who believed what they were doing. And it's just incredible. There is this belief that we have, you know, ordinary criminals like pickpockets and so on. And then we have organized uh, criminals like the mafia and so on. And then above those people, like this archway above society, is this glowing godhood of statism that protects us from all these Nazi little people. I think that the historically accurate, if not currently accurate view, is that the incompetent criminals are out there picking your pockets. The more competent criminals are organizing into mobs. But the most competent criminals run for office and end up in charge of the state. They are the best of the best. Uh, they are not there to protect you from criminals because they're kind of pursuing the same methodology, but better. And that's what Zbigniew Brzezinski has said in three of his books. He admits that they run every criminal operation to control it for our own good, though, Stefan. We've got to be thankful they launder the drug money and run the little kids and, you know, do everything. We've got to be thankful they made drugs illegal to make larger profits. See how they helped us? Well, of course, you hear this argument all the time without the government and the police. Who on earth would protect your property, Alex? Uh, first of all, if you're allowed to own your own weaponry, your prop property is pretty safe to begin with. And secondly, how can I claim that somebody is there to protect my property when they take over 50% of it at source and not even counting unfunded liabilities, debts, and deficits? When they take about 50% of my money, That's how right. can they be said to be protecting That's my right. money? That's right. The average cop can be a really good person. On average, I've actually found them to be, you know, a lot of them are servants. But it doesn't matter. The, the big state is there to support, as you've said, and protect the farm animals from rogue wolves and coyotes that might try to come snack on a pig or a goat or a sheep or a chicken or, you know, to stop a weasel. The larger weasel is guarding the hen house from other weasels that aren't in his employ. The system is there to protect their racket over us. And now they're getting greedy and have created an Agenda 21 uh, cosmology nomenclature where they fantasize that social engineering is looting us to reduce us down to the level of beggars to save the earth while they themselves are the ones with government mismanagement allowing the degradation of the environment. It's incredible. I, I mean, the fruits of these people is literally liquid death. Well, you know, one of the great tragedies of history, Alex, is that a truly free market doesn't have much use for sophists and sociopaths and all of the predatory wordsmiths of the upper classes. And so when there's a free market, you know what you have to do. You do this with your show. I do this with my show. We go out and we try to produce value to people on a voluntary basis. If they don't like us, they can just switch us off. If they find us offensive, they can turn us off. So, But we still have to go out there and provide truth on a voluntary basis. But if you're a politician, everyone's going to listen to you because you're in charge of all the weaponry in the known universe and beyond. So when you have a truly free market, all of the verbally adept, sociopathic busybodies who want to tell everyone else what to do can't really do it because they can try and boss you around. You're like, click, turn them off, don't care. And so these kinds of people can't really adapt to the free market. They want to retain the power, the political power to push everyone around. And, uh, you know, the endless interfering busybodies of the human race would have precious little to do without uh, the state. And that's one of the reasons why they like the state. It gives them this massive platform to move us all around, like the little pawns, like the little ants, like the livestock that they think we are. The tragedy is they can only do it with our fundamental consent. That's right. And 
it literally becomes an ether in which unnatural people that no one would want to associate with can now attain power and success instead of the natural virtuous way Whoever is the most hardworking, the most loving, the most creative, the most beautiful, the most honorable becomes the example of society. That others emulate that, and you go to Alpha Centauri's and to the next level of human development. But if you go with who has the most weapons, the most thugs, the most intimidation, the best BS, you build systems of BS toward the public, then mimics that, civilization collapses, and then it restarts over with virtue again, then we become decadent and corrupt. The problem is we can't go through that cycle again because they're going to destroy the planet with the weaponry this time. They must be stopped. Well, I agree with that. And and there is this awful thing that that is fundamental where people say, well, Barack Obama or Sarkozy or Putin or whoever is, they should be in charge. They should be telling everyone to, what to do. They know the way things should be. And I would love to see a world, Alex, where these guys had the power of, say, an advice column. You know, where you could write into these guys and say, Barack Obama, how should I deal with my health care? And he'd say, well, I, as a constitutional law professor, I believe that you should do X, Y, blah, blah, whatever, right? I'd love to just see them have the power to, of an advice column. Or, you know, they'd have a hotline. You'd call them up and say, Barack, I don't really know what to do with 50% of my income. What do you think I should do? He said, well, you should uh, spend it on this, 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 and this. That's what I want. They don't have the power to compel our obedience, but they actually have to win us over with reason and evidence. Wouldn't that be a beautiful world? Exactly. Instead, they blow stuff up or let people blow stuff up and then fearmonger until we give up all of our rights. Let me ask you this, then we're going to go to phone calls. Where do you, Stefan Molyneux, where do you think this battle in your gut, just as just stalt, is going? Is Liberty losing or winning? And will the Alex, globalists blow stuff you gonna, up? You are going to get uh, flex of foam on your webcam because this is a topic I actually feel quite, <laughs> quite passionate about. So I will give you my very, very brief answer to that. There is no momentum in history. There is no great movements of history that push us around. We are not pinballs in the endless bumper. Sorry, for your younger audience, you'll have to ask your parents what that means. We're not pinballs bumping around the bumpers of some giant cosmic pinball machine. Where the world goes is where committed, passionate, knowledgeable communicators make it go. It's where you make it go. It's where I make it go. It's where your listeners make it go in their conversations, in their lives. Where does history go? Where is the momentum of human history? In the willpower of committed individuals and in no other place. Uh, now, it's true that if committed people of intelligence and integrity and willpower do nothing, then yes, the worse tends to overcome the better. Like if you sit on your couch, you get fatter, not uh, leaner. And uh, if we do nothing, then yes, uh, evil wins. But all we have to do is get off our butts and make the world uncomfortable for the compromise, which provokes them into thinking like you sharpen a sword <laughs> against a spinning sand wheel. Then we just go and make the world uncomfortable. We push the world where we want it to go. We make the world go where we want it to go because we have the better arguments. We have the exactly. greater evidence. And the accumulated evidence of history is completely on our side. I agree. And, and the statists all say this. Uh, Cass Sunstein says, we'll infiltrate the alternative media, discredit it by acting you know, bad, putting out racism, disinfo. And they say, we've got to just keep pushing, pushing, pushing. They even admit in their own papers, oh, they all want freedom. The average person wants to be a libertarian or beyond, but we've got to act like they're all alone. We've got to just, just dominate them, whip them, break their will. And so the crazy thing is they write all these books like we're not reading them. I think their arrogance is going to undo them. So we have to make them uncomfortable everywhere, just like they do us. And that's what I do. And it's not a tiring thing, folks. Once you start doing this, it's like <sighs> finally breathing. Oh, I was supposed to do this. This is the animating contest of liberty that, that Jefferson talked about.
Yes. And don't you remember when you were a kid and you did something bad or did something wrong, which basically meant you disagreed with the authority and ease of the powers that be in your school or wherever? What would they say to you? They'd say, Alex Jones, young Alex Jones, this is going to go on your permanent record. And those words were like, oh, my goodness, it's going to be tattooed on my forehead and so on. And now, of course, we all have a genuine permanent record called everything we ever do on the Internet or in a bank machine or using our credit card through the NSA. And what has it done? It has done fundamentally nothing to us other than give us more ammunition to push back against this encroaching tyranny. Exactly. Call their bluff. Double down on life. Get crazed. I mean, humans are meant to be wild and full of life. And argh, instead of just waddling around wearing sports jerseys, you know, watching steroid heads push each other around and grab each other's butts. I mean, it's just there's so much more in the universe than watching Obama or watching John Boehner or or, or watching uh, all these people. That's what I hate is how the status make us look at them, make us talk about them, even to block them. We need to make them where they're the joke they are. Do you agree with that? Yeah, look, I mean, what what are we as a species? How did we evolve? We evolved as hunter-gatherers. Now, we've all just kind of thrown the hunter side aside, you know, and we've just become these gatherers. Like, oh, look, there's some nuts called welfare or the military-industrial complex or there's these pensions or I can get a job. We just go gather stuff. Let's go hunt evil with language. That's much more invigorating. All right, folks, let's go back to Stefan Molyneux, a little bit overdrive to take these calls. I apologize to the callers. I've been hogging all the guests today. I'm really a bad guy. All right, uh, Stefan, finish your point about that. Uh, yeah, just uh, we've, we've, we've lost our, I think, to some degree, masculinity. Bring back the masculinity. Bring back the spine. We've just become these gatherers looking for the rotten fruits of power that drip down on our tables and going, ah, like what a great meal. Let's go out and hunt ourselves some freedom. It's all language. It's all reason. It's all evidence. There's no weaponry that's going to set us free because the real prison, the real state, the real tyranny is in the mind. But we can blow through that stuff with reason and evidence and really pursue and bring down uh, a big predator called freedom. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I agree. Once we shift into into hunter mode against the enemy. That's combat mode as well. They're shifted into that with deceit. We shift into the hunter mode with liberty. We're going to kick their butt. And we all love combat. Are you talking about sports? Sports is combat. I mean, how well do combat movies uh, show? We all love combat. It's invigorating. Uh, the great mistake, of course, has been to try to get a fight with, with weapons rather than with language, rather than with philosophy, rather than with reason and evidence. But when you get into that mode, it's really invigorating. People look at that and say, oh, there's so much fighting. It's so tense. It must be so stressful. It's kind of what we're built for, people. This is why we're not in the caves. This is why we're not jellyfish or amoeba anymore. I mean, most of us. So I think that it's a really, I invite people to take on the combat. It's what Andrew Breitbart used to say, walk towards the fire, walk towards the fire, because if you run away, it's gonna catch you only with your back turned. Absolutely, God bless you. That's very well said. God bless to the atheism. It's a endearing term. Let's talk to Greg in Pennsylvania. Thanks for holding, brother. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hello there, gentlemen. Uh, I'd like to throw something out there that nobody has talked about. Um, it would be the farm bill and you know the role in what the farmers would play in things as they progress. And you know, I'm, I'm a small farmer. Uh, I work, I have to work a 50 hour a week job just to keep the farm going and keep everything going. And it's just, uh, I just like to get your take on the farm bill and, or I guess we could call it the food stamp bill and, uh, what, uh, what would be a good, what's, 
Yeah, well, I'll be honest with you. I've read some about it, but it's always changing. You're the expert. Give us your brief take on it, then we'll get Stefan's take. Well, from what I read of it, it's basically a food stamp bill. 80% of it is food stamps, and uh, it, none of it that I know helps me, a small farmer. Yeah, well, I, that's no, what I they am. do. They always get control of the economy and then call it one thing and do another. I know this. American farmers were much more prosperous, and there were more of them. Before government got involved, they're replacing it with Big Agra. Only Big Agra knows how to get the incentives and the free deals. Uh, let's get Stefan's take on that. God bless you, Greg. Good question. Well, on the right, Republican, the Republican Party gets an average donation of about $50 each. In other words, small farmers can help the Republican Party. On the left, the Democratic Party has refused to release the size of their average donation because I'm not even going out on a limb to guess that it's far larger than that because it comes from a lot of lit rich elites in the, in the media and in the entertainment industry and so on. So one of the problems is the people on the left, they want bigger and bigger organizations because the small people, they like to fund parties that are focusing on smaller government and free trade like the Republican Party. So when you get big aggregate groups together, uh, that tends to benefit the left. And so when you start to give farm subsidies, then you start to make it more profitable to lobby politicians and all that kind of good stuff. Stay there. Back in anyway, 60. Back in 60. We'll come back after the break. segment. Straight ahead with Stefan Molyneux. And we'll give you his website. I'm back this Sunday, 4 to 6 p.m. Sunday transmission. Stay with us. Nightly news tonight. Something really funny tonight. Big Brother. Mainstream media. Government cover-ups. You want answers? Well, so does he. He's Alex Jones on the GCN Radio Network. And now, live from Austin, Texas, Alex Jones. Look, they have breaks at the end and the start of the hours. And I, I've got to end it here because I want to go to the LA Times uh, lady who's here to interview me. And then i got a bunch of meetings. So each caller, just ask a quick question or comment. We'll get Stefan's one-line response. I'll try to shut up. Joe in North Carolina, thanks for calling. You're watching us on Roku right now. Go ahead. Hey, Alex, first-time caller. I'll make this real quick. Um, I got some disturbing information yesterday that I haven't heard you talk about yet concerning the missing nuclear warheads from Dias Air Force Base. The news uh, came to me from a former uh, Congress or Senate woman, I can't remember which, who was a reverend, and purportedly the nukes were detonated under Obama's order as they uh, went into continuity of government mode in the White House bunker. Uh, the, White, uh, the Pentagon had got word of this, and the members of our military, instead of detonating the nukes in Charleston Harbor, where they were told to detonate them by the government, they detonated them out at sea. Well, sir, do this. E email me with some facts and some info and the names, and I'll look into it. There's a lot of stuff going on. We know the nukes did come up missing directly from the base source who we confirmed and talked to. I don't know about all the speculation that's come after it, but Stefan Molyneux, let me ask you this question. What is to stop, and your website's freedomainradio.com, what is to stop governments from staging false flags, staging terror attacks? How do we how do we take that ace in the hole away from them? The alertness and skepticism of people outside the mainstream media. The nuke thing is interesting. Do you know what the nuclear launch codes were throughout most of the Cold War? Uh, Seven zeros. zeros in a row. Or how many Seven zeros? zeros. In other words, you could have ended the human race by leaning on a keyboard accidentally. Uh, <laughs> this is the kind of security you're going to get from the state. I know. What is wrong with these people? <laughs> I mean, a birthday, uh, one, two, three, four, five, uh, you know, anything, just not all the zeros in a row. That's that's not even a code. Very well said. Man, I tell you, I forgot about that story last week. Danny in Indiana, go ahead. Thank you for calling. 
Hey, what's going on, Alex? Worldwide broadcast, uh, brother. Right on, man. Um, yeah, I just wanted to share something that really like ticked me off. I was watching the show Parks and Rec the other day. I don't know if you know that show. But it's local government in this fictitious town in Indiana where I live. And it's always portrays the town hall meetings as like all the, the locals are just morons, you know. But And they bring up really stupid stuff, and it's all about like, hey, why don't you, you know, we need to protect these people from themselves, basically. And I'm watching it one day, and it's about fluoride. They don't want fluoride in their water. And they're just portrayed as bumbling morons. And I just had to turn my TV off. It just made me so angry. It was just so blatant, like media propaganda inserted into entertainment. It, I don't know. <laughs> just have to good share news. that. Look, I'm sorry. I, it's it's great news that this is even coming up as a topic. All of the the attacks on libertarianism uh, that have come out recently are incredibly good news. You know what Gandhi said, right? First they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. That's We're right. actually in the phase of fighting. I think it's fantastic. Let's bring more of this stuff up and let's let's people make more fun of us because then at least they're talking about the issues which we'll always win on. Exactly. I mean, I've been doing this 18 years, folks. 20 is an activist for liberty. When they're attacking you, man, you're winning. I mean, <laughs> well, Steph, I'm all Bring it on, baby. Bring it on. <laughs> what an evil person. I'm joking. All right, Michael always says, I don't know if I can get to you. I apologize. Call me back on the Sunday show. I promise front of the line for Michael Simon. Jesse, here's a story finally we'll put on screen. Just broke. You know, the Russians threatened to nuke us if we keep moving weapons close to them two days ago. Well, now, defense analysts, U.S. should plan for war with China. Analysts told House members that U.S. is currently unprepared for potential conflict. Yeah, they couldn't beat the Taliban, so now let's start a war with Russia and China. Closing comments on this uh, bat-you-know-what-crazy info. Well, it means, of course, that we are nearing the end of the fiat money death spiral, uh, because they're starting to talk about war. As you pointed out earlier, uh, they, uh, the rulers used to love wars until there were nuclear weapons when they could be targeted themselves, and suddenly it's blessed are the peacemakers. They will talk about this stuff to rile you up, to keep you distracted, and what they're trying to do is get you so scared that you will accept a lower standard of living. Do not accept a reduction in the quality no. of your life. Do not accept a lower standard of living based upon the predations of the state. Fight back in prosperity and freedom. That's can right. Be Great job. That's right. Thank you, Stefan. All right, folks.